to you that you may not sin. But if anyone does sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous. He is the propitiation for our sins, and not for our sins only, but for the sins of the whole world. And by this we know we have come to know him. If we keep his commandments, whoever says, I know him, but not, does not keep his commandments is a liar, and the truth is not in him. But whoever keeps his words, in him truly the love of God is perfected. By this we may know that we are in him. Whoever says he abides in him ought also to walk in that same way in which he walked. Amen. So, as we're going through, as we've been going through the letter of 1 John, John is writing to these people, to these people he loves, and he is writing to them um, to encourage them that even that his joy may be complete. He wants them to know more about who God is. His, it seems like he is, he is concerned about some things he's hearing. He, we heard that in the beginning that he, some people are saying, it doesn't matter what I do. I can sin all I want. And he says, no, that is not true. But then there seems to be some other people who say, I don't sin at all. And he says, no, that's not right either. So he's trying to bring them into, don't sin. But if you do, Jesus is there. So he's, um, he's continuing to point people to who God is. And that by understanding more and more who God really is, they would um, have their eyes open to their misunderstandings. That no, if you are in Jesus, you cannot say you can sin all the things you want. And also you would come to a sensitivity of sin that you would know you still fall short. And you need Jesus. So that seems to be like the big thing. And then he also later on will define what is love. Not like the world does, but what is love? So other people also said, this is a very good letter to understand what it means to be a Christian. That he encourages people to understand who Jesus really is. And so from last time we come from these beautiful passages where he, he describes God as light and there's no darkness in him and that that if we sin, Jesus' blood cleanses us from unrighteousness when we confess our sins. And so today he starts with this uh, very personal and uh, uh, what do you call this? Um, a loving greeting as he calls them my little children 
So don't misunderstand. He's not writing to a kindergarten. He's he's writing to the churches. Um, But he has taken on the spiritual responsibility, and that's why he calls them my little children. And then he writes, I'm writing to you so you may not sin. And then we talked about this at the Bible study. It was like, oh, so what does that mean to sin? Because like, it's a concept now in that we have. So, so this is the word, hamerto. <laughs> the word means that, and maybe you've heard this many times. It's like if a, an archer is shooting an arrow and he's intending it to hit the middle, but he doesn't. So it's falling short of hitting the correct thing. Um, and in this sense, it's, it's, it, when we're talking about it, sin, it's a spiritual thing that we're missing. And so you're saying the people that say, I can sin all I want, I mean, you, can dis, you can discuss whether they're missing the mark or just, they're just on purpose missing the mark. Uh, or you have uh, people on the other side who's like, well, I have no sin. It's like, well, maybe they're not taking aim at all because they are, are not even like trying to see. But then maybe you have the people in the middle that are, we are wanting to go this way. We are wanting to go the way of Jesus. We're wanting to go towards this point. But sometimes we deviate and we don't hit it. But our intention is to do it. Um, and so there's a couple of things that seems to be linked a lot. There's a lot of uh, references from Romans a lot. And also a lot, to, uh, maybe you could say, of course, to John's gospel. So here, also just Romans says, well, we've all fallen short. Like that's an answer to the people over here saying they have no sin. It's like, no, everyone has fallen short. There's no person except Jesus, who woke up, all their life they went straight the way. They hit, they were on the right path their whole life. Only Jesus did that. The rest of us has walked off, fallen into ditches, ditches, not ditches, but fallen into uh, ditches, has, has stumbled, has fallen off this thing. So that shows just to um, that's just to explain that. But then, as you can see, also that it can also be that we also sin against each other. Well, how do we f- sin by f- missing the mark of one another? Well, that's kind of the same thing. Is like, well, if we're always wanting to honor God with with our life, well, then treating someone else in a way where we're not hitting the mark then we also sin against one another. We can also sin against ourselves. Like, we're supposed to go this way with how we carry ourselves and how what we do. When we don't do that, then we can also do that. Um, so, but that was, the, that was the first part of the first verse. Um...
Yes, because then some people, are, I don't know if you've done teenage work or worked with teenagers or young people, because the people over here would say, well, it's so hard, you know, like, I'm never going to be complete, so I might, not, might as not, I, I might as well not try. No, that's a misunderstanding. Because, as this slide says, with a very, very small reference, is that, that Jesus' saving acts empowers us to overcome sin. So, before we were slaves in darkness to sin, but because of Jesus' life, death, his resurrection, ascension, he's coming back, then he has given us power to overcome sin. And I was just reminded about this again, I think I shared last week, uh, that it's so great to be in meetings where somebody has struggled with something for so long and it's like God does something. And it's like, yeah, that's true. I don't have to struggle with that. And God does a work. I think it's so encouraging that there's nothing that God cannot work in us that he can take away. But it requires us to be honest also and sensitive to what God is leading us to. Because if we're also always falling down, um, then we need somebody to help us. And that's why where he's going to talk about next. Oh, There. Because the second part says that if we do sin, we have uh, paracletos. Also means, <laughs> it's easier to say paraclete. We have an advocate, and helper. And so the... Somebody says it's like it's like if you go to the king and a royal official stands next to you f- to give you more credibility in front of the king. So when we come to God, we're like, "Hey, I just fell off the road. I just missed the mark." And God's like, "Why do you keep doing that?" or something, whatever you see, how you see God. But the great thing is that Jesus Christ, the righteous, is right there. You know, at the ascension, he sends up to God, and he's right there reminding the perfect holy God who lives in unapproachable light. There's no way we can even come near him. Then Jesus whispers, yeah, he's mine. My blood has covered this sin. So he first he says, don't sin. So the people here were here like, yes, that's what we said all the time. Don't sin. And then he says, well, well, when you do fail, then be encouraged that there's an advocate with the Father reminding the Father when we fall that he has paid for us. So you can say in this strange upside down thing, John's like, I'm writing to you guys that you may not sin, that I'll hear you walk faithfully with Jesus. But when you do fail, remember Jesus at the right hand. And you can come to him. And he will help you. 
then we we gotta go to some more big words today. It's too, lots of big words today. <laughs> he is the propitiation. I can't even say the propitiation of our sins, and not only ours, but of the whole sins of the whole world. I think there's gonna be a lot of slides now trying to explain this word. Um, so what is propitiation? Well, let me give my chance. Uh, let me try to explain it first, and then we'll go through the slides. Propitiation in Danish is sonoffer. So, of course, all of us knows what that means. Um, it goes back to the Old Testament of the Day of Atonement, that the sacrifice at the Day of Atonement was supposed to take away the sins of the people. And so what John is saying now, that was a shadow because as Hebrew says, those animals were never going to take away sin. Only a perfect sacrifice would take away sin. So Jesus, he is that offer to take away our sin and the wrath of God against sin um, so that we can be washed in Jesus' blood and have him as an advocate. So, so that, that what Jesus does as being a propitiation, he takes away or he intervenes. He's the, he's the one who takes the blame on him so that we can go free. And then in the second part it says, and also for the sins of the world. And it's like, oh, does this mean everyone's saved? No, it doesn't. But it means that anyone who wants to come, there's plenty of power to save. There's no, uh, God's offer of Jesus is not short. There's power to save anyone who will come. And then I was, I was also reminded about how in Romans it talks about, well, the whole creation is also in need of saving and in restoration. But, so there's power for all those things. Let's see all what the smart people says. So this is that, um, that Jesus is the sin offering for people. And he makes atonement for us. He becomes our substitute, assuming the obligations and getting the guilt and covering us from the punishments. He takes the punishment. Taking away wrath, Jesus can be our advocate because he bore on the cross the punishment required for our sins of those who believe. Our sins have been judged and been taken away and it turned away God's wrath so that we can be reconciled to God. And now he stands next to God reminding us, uh, reminding God about this. So my children don't sin. But if you do, you have Jesus as an advocate. 
So who is this Jesus? Well, the Jesus is the one that takes away our sin, takes the punishment on him so that we can come to God. John continues, by the by this we know that we have come to know him if we keep his commandments. Whoever says I know him but do not keep his commandments is a liar and the truth is not him. We could see here the parallels of the first passages about the light and the darkness about claiming to have fellowship with God even though I don't know him. So here the claim is, I know him, but I don't listen to him. Then John will say, well, you can't claim to know God if your life is not marked by a way that you're trying to walk that way then you're a liar in your confession. We talked a little bit about it also the other times, but in this country, many people would say that they're Christians. John would say that they are liars. If there is no intention of walking the way, then their testimony is not true. Well, then what is John what is John after here? Well, he's saying it's not just it's not enough just to say something. It's not even enough just to know something. But it actually has to be lived out and obeyed. So we're not just asked to know Jesus' words. We're asked to be obey Jesus' words. And so in three, 3 it says, well, if we walk that way, then we show we are. 4 is then, well, I say I know, but my life shows I don't. And I was talking with Mira just before we started. Um, and, and I think that's also what I said in the, the beginning is I think what John is trying to do here is to help people with their misconceptions of who God is. Because uh, the two fractions, the one that said they could sin all they want, the one that says we don't sin, uh, and then now we have the people saying, well... I have fellowship with God, but I don't know him. And now people would say, well, I know God, but it's clear that they don't from how they live. So 
how can they be so misguided? Well, maybe there needs to be, like Doris said, more discipleship. They meet, need to have a better understanding of who God is. And this is what we see John trying to do. He's then saying, well, Jesus is our advocate. He's our propitiation. He, he's trying to explain to them, well, this, this is who Jesus is. Because, uh, because and, and this is the same as if you have walked with Jesus for some time, you don't know everything about God's when you start your walk. And you confess all your sins at that point, but then the Lord is, is, is good and he reveals a little bit after a little bit that we have to give over to God. But, but in daily walking with God, in daily, also like Rick has said, in daily engaging with the scriptures, we will get a better and better understanding of who God is. And by the Holy Spirit, that would help us to walk uh, towards Jesus. And we would walk in the light as he is in the light. And we would walk in the teaching of Jesus. And I think one of the core understandings is that, well, if we understand that God loved us while we were at our worst, then we can also, as we continue walking with him, understand that he still has that love for us. That we can continue to grow in who he is and get him to know, get to know him better. Getting to understand what Jesus taught better because when we walk that way and when we do what Jesus did, when we live a life that's walking this way, honoring God, yes, we might not hit it all the time, but the intention of it is to live out of the love that we were loved by because he loved us first, then we experienced his love, then we want to love God with all our heart, mind, soul, and strength, and then our neighbor as ourselves. I think that's what John's talking about. That has to transform us so we live differently. So that we'll be living like Jesus did. Honoring the God, the Father. Loving and worshiping Him. And ministering and loving the people He set us among. But if I think if we miss those parts, if we misunderstand who God is, that God's sitting with a notepad just waiting for us to fall and write down our faults so he can kick us when we're lying down, then we have a misunderstanding of who God is. Also, if God is on the other side saying, yes, I just love it when you sin. Yes, can you just do some more things to hurt yourself? Then we also have a misunderstanding of who God is. No, God is a good father. And John's like assuming this role as well, not as God, but he's as Father, encouraging them that they won't sin, but that by in the love of God, they will love God, follow him, get a right understanding of who he is, so that they will reject sin, walk towards 
the point and doing that in the power of Jesus because they have been transformed by who Jesus is. That Jesus didn't come to give us all our idols. He didn't come to make you rich if richness is your idol. He didn't. If your idol is to be comfort, what is it called? Uh, if your idol is comfort, he didn't come to give you comfort. If your idol is uh, something else, he didn't come to give you those things. No, he, come, he came to give him yourself. No, not yourself, himself. <laughs> because that's where life is found. No, no, God loves us so much that he sent his son to die for us so that we can take our idols and smash them to pieces and instead live the way the Lord has for us. So God loves us way more than to just give us what we want. Now God is the God who says no. God is the one who says no, there's something better. And I've shown you in Jesus. Sometimes we can be so like, maybe you're just, what are you, what are you talking about? I'm supposed to obey all the commandments. Well, uh, I think Jesus made it really easy for us. I think it was also Luther or somebody else who says, just there's two commandments for you. Love the Lord God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. And love your neighbor as yourself. Jesus says the same. Do those two. You obey all the law. Um, because it's looking to God for all the right things to do instead of looking at what we think. You know, it's looking to who God is. And it's also the point in things that John talks about in his gospel is like, Jesus would say, if you love me, you keep my commandments. And then we could be like the Pharisee in us or the, the works righteousness in us over here. It's like, I'll show you, God, how much I love you. No, that's not the right way. It's be understanding that you were loved. Therefore, you obey the commandments. It's not out of how well you obey the commandments without God. It's because you are so loved by God, overwhelmed with who God is, that you want to do it. It's not like this test where you're like, I will work myself into showing. I will work it. It's like, no, because it's the other way around. And maybe that's even what goes wrong here with people saying they know God. But he says they don't. So, mm, yes, it's basically just saying some of the same thing I said, like that if people claim to be something that they're not, they're being hypocritical. And John's just saying, like, you don't really know Jesus, but I invite you to know him. You have to understand you have to understand who Jesus is or else we won't be able to have fellowship with him. We talked about Kononia there. We, yes, we are invited into fellowship with God the Father and God the Son. 
But if we don't have that fellowship, we are not in fellowship. So if we don't understand who Jesus is, we can't claim to be his followers. There was like saying we're we're walking in the light, but it's really dark. So John keeps keeps going and he says like well you show that your love has been made complete when you keep Jesus' word. And so you show we show that we've understood who Jesus is as we start walking with Jesus as we start living out his teaching. That was what whole book of Matthew, we saw Jesus didn't just teach things. He lived it out. So we're called into the same. And so when, when you see those people, John says, oh, you can see God is completing th- because they have understood God's love. Now he's completing their love for God in them. And then he continues and says that we may know that we are in Jesus. And it's just like if you say that you are in Jesus, you need to be walking with him in the same way. So he's confronting people saying they walk with Jesus, but it doesn't look that way. But he says, but look at the people who do. You can say that they are in and abiding with him. Because they're walking the same way Jesus did. Loving God to follow with all heart, mind, soul, and strength and loving their neighbor and walking that way. So it's God's love that's changed that person and obedience to Jesus and his command will be lived out. Not in perfection. Not without sin, but understanding who God is more and more by the power of the Spirit. So then, um, well, I guess just I guess just the end. It's kind of the same thing because I talked to Mira about it, and because like, well, it feels like it's saying we are supposed to work for it. Just show me, show me your life. You need to work for it. Well, I I don't think that's what John's saying. I think what John's saying is like, it's whether the love of God has changed us. Um, Who is God and what has Jesus done? Do we treasure who Jesus is or is Jesus like, a pinata or a slot machine, they are pray to get stuff from him, or um, do we treasure him as advocate, as propitiation, as savior, as redeemer, as a lover of our soul? Do we see all that God has done to save us from shame, pain, sin, and guilt, and the power of Satan? He saved us from the just wrath against sin. Have we understood how bad sin really is? That 
it's rebelling against God and it destroys us and leads us into darkness. No, no, no. It's not our works. It's understanding Jesus' works that makes us able to walk with God. So that's why John's so kind to remind us that sin actually has consequences, both for us and also for us in our life. But we can, like we talked about last time, confess our sins and the blood of Christ can cleanse us from all that sin and we have been made free to walk in the light as we abide in Jesus and walk as he did. Therefore, if you're feeling like, oh, I have, to, this is, I have to live up to this, well, maybe not so much, but maybe more ponder in your life. Like, have I grasped who God is? Have I grasped who Jesus is? Have I grasped that God's not giving me, God's not going to give me my idol? No, he will give you himself instead. And that we can trust in God and we can walk like Jesus walked. If nothing in our life looks like what Jesus did, then maybe we should be a little concerned. Maybe we should really be listening to John when he encourages us to understand better who God is. John's writing about the glory of God and the greatness of Jesus. He's asking us to see who Jesus is and to treasure him and live with him. And then by him and the Holy Spirit, we'll be able to walk with him. So it's great news. It's not a list of works righteousness. It's great news John comes with. He, he says, don't sin. Why? Because I'm like a father to you. I don't want bad things to happen to you. I don't want you to rebel against God. I don't want bad for you. Sin always hurts and destroys. I don't want that for you. But even if it does happen, and it does, I'll give you the greatest news that we have an advocate with the Father who will remind us all the time about what he did. Who is that? Well, that's Jesus Christ, the righteous. That's, that's the one who is our propitiation, the one who provided for us to take away all sin. Some people would reject to that, like, well, we are scientific now. We are, we are in the West. We, we don't believe in those sacrifices now anymore. Well, well, the thing is that it's not really about your opinion. <laughs> because when people say that, they have no idea how bad sin is, how much rebellion against God is going to destroy everything. So it was like, oh, I'm not so bad that I need somebody to die for me. No, why? Well, that's because you have no idea what you've done. But it's a, for us who understands what God has done. We would never, I would not mock the offering of Jesus makes. It's one of the most, it's the beautiful, most beautiful thing that ever happened. Then we could come with a chronological snopper and say, I don't need a sacrifice. <laughs> well, you're wrong. You do. 
And you see the kindness and the goodness of God in that. That he provided for us this beautiful sacrifice. Then some people, theologians, would be like, well, then God is mean to Jesus. I get so frustrated. God is not divided in three. It's not like God the Father made a plan and Jesus wasn't there. Oh, I'm going to put him on the cross. No. It's been the Trinity's plan the whole time. They're not pitted against each other as like three different gods. No. Jesus knew this from the beginning. This was the plan to save us, fallen people who rebel against God. And I think anything to try to discredit Jesus' sacrifice is this, <laughs> I would say, like John, like I think people are walking in darkness, misunderstanding who God is. No, what God shows us is that he's loved us in Christ and the perfect sacrifice to take away sin should not be mocked or belittled or try to divide God into different pieces. No, this is the core of the good news. The gospel. That God has provided for us. He provides himself. He provides Jesus to take away our sin that we can walk with him. But then as Charles has been saying all the time, (laughs) are we walking in this joy? Are we celebrating today this joy that we have in God? Well, we, we, we have to do another thing. We have, to be re- we have to be honest about our relationship with God, our relationship with Jesus. We can't be hiding religiously saying, I, I'm fine. I have n- I'm fine. Nothing's wrong with me. Well, okay, so nothing's hard, nothing's bad. No, we have to, the same thing with relationship with God. He knows all about us. So if we just go, God, I'm having a fine day today, no problems, no problems. And he knows we're hurting lots of places. It's just silly. And I think we show we don't understand who God is. He knows the depths of our hearts and loves me the same, the one song says. So that It makes no sense to hide things from God, but instead confess them, saying, I am sad, I am mad, I am frustrated. I don't think I know you that well this week. I feel far from you. I think the people around me are morons and annoying today. I know I'm supposed to love them, but they're really annoying. Pray those prayers with God and see what happens. Instead of like, you know, my coworkers, they're so nice. Just uh, would you bless them? But you, you, your heart's not even close to being there. Just be honest with God and see how He can do something instead. Maybe the prayer at the end of the week would actually be different. Oh wow, God, you showed me how to love these people. God keep, John keeps us reminding that the good news about Jesus is so much better 
than any other news in the world. Other news and all other sin will never deliver. It will always leave you hurt and in pain. Jesus took the pain, took the hurt, that we could be reconciled to God. Not just one time. Yes, he did it one time. But we need to come approximately every day, maybe more than once a day. Because that's what Jesus says. Forgive us this day. That was forgive us our sins uh, and we ask for bread also but it's it's like it's daily we come because we want to go there but then during the day we go like this and so we ask God the Father for forgiveness and we have Jesus that intercedes for us and that is great news and just remember when Jesus also says take my yoke on you I was like, ah, what are you talking about? Jesus like, I'm bearing this thing. It's like, no, 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 no. My burden is easy and light. But it means you can't just do whatever you want. <laughs> you have to be linked to me as we walk this together. Then we can live out the commandments as we love God and one another. And we show that God's love have been poured out into our hearts. There's no other way to do that. No matter how much you try, it's only the love of God that will be able to love God with all heart's own strength and other people. So when people say they don't need Jesus, they say that they, they say they're sinless and they will live in their own power. We know that that can't be done. Can't love God in our own strength, but only by a transformed heart who has been loved by God. So instead, we got to rejoice in Jesus and come to him to live for him. Believing his commandments are not burdensome, but they're good and they will give us joy in who God is. We come because we have been cleansed and understand that Jesus glorified God in his life and in his death, in his resurrection and his coming back. He's asking us to do the same, glorify God as we share this news and make disciples. Amen. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, you know all of us. You know exactly where we're at. You know if we fall to the left or to the right of the path. You know whether we have a tendency to be religious, or you know we have a tendency for to do all the wrong things and excuse them. Um, Lord, you know where each of us are. Um, but Lord, I ask that you move in us help us to understand and believe the words that John has written open our eyes and hearts by the Holy Spirit to see how glorious and beautiful you are God 
to how important your sacrifice is, Jesus. And I pray you renew our understanding of how you've loved us. I pray that you will pour out that love into our hearts. That we will love you and love other people. And that we will live from that great joy to your honor and glory as we walk in the light here as where you have set us. Will you bless us, encourage us, strengthen us that we will walk in great joy and continue to learn who you are more and more. We ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Oh, that's also a good quote. Sometimes I forget my quotes. But, um, but let's uh, let's stand for the benediction. And we'll get the one from uh, from Leviticus. Aaron's blessing. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace.